Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. StrikeDeck is a customer success automation platform that enables CSMs to manage their customer relationships. The StrikeDeck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. For over 15 years, I've been a sales, marketing, and customer success executive, and my career is primarily focused on early and growth stage tech companies. The Success League works with leaders in companies of all sizes and stages across the U.S. And today I'm joined by Irene Lepton, VP of Customer Success at Metagram. She has a distinguished management career that has included teams in professional services, support, training, and customer success. And Irene currently serves on a number of boards and is in the process of writing a book on the economics of customer success. Today we'll be talking about how a workforce that includes three distinct generations, that would be baby boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials, creates challenges and opportunities for customer success teams. So Irene, can you share some details on your experience and how you arrived in the customer success field for us? Sure, thanks Kristen. I'm so happy to be here and support you and Strike Deck and share some wisdom that I've learned along the way. Um, I think I've been a customer-focused person all of my life, if you can say that. That's fantastic. (laughs) I grew up in a family retail business, and we specialized in orthopedic shoes, dancewear, and Halloween costumes. That's diverse. Three three diverse (laughs) and very specialized kinds of things. And because of that, it was really important to retain our customers. We had repeat business was critical to all of those things. So, you know, I've worked in large companies like Transamerica and Pricewaterhouse. And for the last number of years, I myself have been focused on early stage startups because I really enjoy bringing pragmatic order to chaos, Mm -hmm. something I like to do. And because of that, I've implemented and built customer organizations across a lot of different size of companies, kinds of software that you can imagine, everything from embedded Linux to business intelligence to cloud financial software. It's been a really, really fun journey. And, you know, along the way, the engagement models and everything that I built working with sales and managing mostly the post-sale functions, uh, it was just a natural for me to move into customer success. Cool. What I have to ask, just going back to your Halloween costume comment. <laughs> what was your best Halloween costume? If you um, come from that kind of a family, you had to have really good stuff. We did, and I still have a lot of Halloween costumes. Oh, really? So for okay. myself personally, my favorite costume is the boss from hell. Oh. And it's a take on a devil costume with a little briefcase that you can fill up with Halloween candy to pass out suckers oh, nice. usually. And <laughs> <laughs> I get and, where you went uh, there. <laughs> 
but we had all kinds of costumes. It branched oh. out of the leotards and the tights that we sold for the ballet stuff, for the dancewear. Yeah. Because people base a lot of Halloween costumes on a solid colored leotard underneath yeah. or something. So oh, that's where it grew out of. Oh, okay. Well, that would have been a fascinating family to grow <laughs> up in. Yeah. I'm sorry, I just had to back up there and go back to that for one second. You. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, it was a lot of fun. And we all, for the entire month of October, we could check out any of the rental costumes. And we wore costumes in the shop every day for the oh. whole month of October. Oh, that would have been so fun. Yeah. I love theater and dance, so that's that appeals to me. Um, so, Irene, when we were discussing potential topics for the podcast, you brought up the idea of discussing how different generations engage from a customer success standpoint, mm -hmm. both inside organizations, but then also as customers. And I thought it was interesting between, because between the three of us that were on the phone in that conversation, um, all three of the generations were represented. And so I thought that was a perfect example of how we all show up in the workforce right now. And so I wanted to ask you first, um, just to kind of give an overview to our audience, why do you think this is such an important topic for us to discuss? Well, I think that um, in general, the workforce has always included multiple generations. So it's nothing new. But right. in today's time and place, we're at sort of a unique place because we have almost equal parts, as you mentioned in the representation yeah. just among us, of baby boomers, Gen Xers, and millennials. And how we got there is pretty different because the demographic makeup of the different groups is actually the baby boomers and the millennials are big bubbles in the population and the Gen Xers are not but we're all equal in the workforce today. Mm -hmm. So I think that in these times of transition, there's a natural friction that gets created. We're gonna, I know we're gonna talk more about yeah. you know, what values and things the different generations bring to the, or, to the table when they're working, but I do think that if you don't address the friction, which is natural based on people having different values and experiences, then you're going to stick your head in the sand and all that happens is you get bigger problems in your business overall. And that's both right. internally and with your customers because we're in this time where in the next five years or so, the workforce is going to shift and it's going to become 50% millennials uh -huh. and then very few, maybe you know, 20% baby boomers or 15 to 20% baby boomers and the balance on Gen X. Mm -hmm. Whereas right now we're all equal that's yeah. going to change really quickly. So it's the transitionary time now that I think makes it really an important topic. Okay. And then just before we go any further and to make sure all of us are on the same page, can you kind of define the various generations? Are there specific years or ages that make someone a baby boomer versus a Gen Xer versus a millennial? Yeah, there are. And there are many different ones. So. Okay. <laughs> I'm awesome. Gonna, <laughs> I'm going to use ADP's source. Okay. okay. So ADP is, um, you know, there's many different. Pew has a set of dates and okay. uh, Pricewaterhouse has a set of dates. Lots of people have put the definitions down there. Okay. ADPs are easy to use because they're in nice 20-year bands. Oh, perfect. But what's important to note is that it really is a continuum. So according to ADP, baby boomers are born anytime from 1946 to 1965, so these okay. are people in their 50s and 60s today. Okay. Gen X, 1966 to 1985, so these are people in their 40s and 50s today. 
And then uh, millennials, 1986 to 2005, mostly people in their 20s and 30s today. And if you happen to be a Gen Xer who's born in 1966, you're going to be a lot like a baby boomer who was born in 1965. Yeah. <laughs> so drawing those boundaries on a certain year, it's not... 100% accurate. It is right. a continuum of experiences. So if you're a millennial who's born closer to the beginning of the millennial time frame, you're going to be a lot more like a Gen Xer than you are going to be like the millennials who are born 15 or 20 years later than you. Right. That absolutely makes sense given all the change. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that really helps a lot. Um, I think it would be interesting for the audience if we start talking about what each generation values. And maybe why they hold those values. So can you give us an overview of each generation so that uh, we have a better feel for their perspective? Sure, sure. So the first thing I want to say is that I'm going to generalize. Okay, yes, And it's of not a good idea in specifics to generalize, but I have no other way to represent it for here. Okay. So uh, there will be differences amongst, you know, different particular individuals that fall into these groups. Makes sense, okay. So I'm generalizing. But... Baby boomers, um, the values that they have are about structure and process. Um, they're a pretty ambitious uh, group. They're, they, they are political and they question authority. They tend to be somewhat competitive. Okay. The things that have driven those experiences were you know, the Vietnam War, the Civil Rights Movement. Mm -hmm. uh, they're really the first generation where women started to go to work in large numbers. Mm -hmm. And not it was not in large numbers, it was just women starting. So maybe half of the women started to mm -hmm. work. And they experienced, uh, in, from the perspective of automation, it was a lot of mechanical automation. Mm -hmm. So like when I was growing up, I still remember getting our first dishwasher. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, people, most people have a dishwasher if they rent a house or an apartment, but we got a dishwasher because before that we washed all the dishes by hand. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, these are some of the differences. And, you know, media is another area. So we had no cable TV, mm -hmm. three network channels, and a morning and an evening newspaper. So our news came to us delayed and it came, um, you know, through the, pers through the editorial perspective of a very small group of people. Mm -hmm. Now, when you move over on a continuum to the Gen Xers, like you. That would be me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was very Gen Xer. I have to say, I went to college in Seattle in the early 90s. Okay. So it was very much that grunge era, classic Gen Xer. Okay. So I... I feel that generation. You, you yeah. are, you're attached to your generation. I'm attached to my generation. That's yes. great. That's really, really good. Well, first of all, the first thing to know about the Gen Xers is it's a much smaller demographic mm -hmm. in the population, partly because of the Vietnam War and yep. partly because of women's reproductive rights. So mm -hmm. women started having families later and mm -hmm. being able to control when they had families, and that made a big difference. So, um, but your generation grew up during the Watergate era. You yes. probably remember that. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of conflicts in the Middle East, the, the end of the Cold War, and you had huge media influences because tape, cable TV came to be in mm -hmm. your generation. Right, yeah. So all of a sudden there were thousands of stations and content. Now they weren't on seven by 24 like they are today, mm -hmm. but they were still there and you had a lot more choice 
and the ability to see some live world events like Tiananmen Square, for example, mm -hmm. which I, I remember also because I had that experience also, but I was older then. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a formative, as, as formative an experience. And the, the, the uh, Gen Xers were latchkey kids because mm -hmm. by that time, most women were going to work. Yeah. And so the kids would come home. It was really the first generation where the kids came home sometimes to an empty house. Yeah. And gaming was starting to happen in the computer world. So there were bulletin boards and some N Nintendo and early stage Well, I have games. to say mine was Atari. <laughs> you had <laughs> Atari. A okay. So it's a little bit further back, but <laughs> right. yeah. But that's, uh, you know, so I think that that latchkey kid, mm -hmm. which means, you know, you come home and you're more independent, drove the values of mm -hmm. independence and self-sufficiency, resourcefulness, creativity, um, some skepticism of hierarchy, and also just because of the time, your generation had a lot more time to be able to travel. And I think, you know, travel was accessible. When I was first growing up, mm -hmm. plane rides were not very many people went on plane rides. People right. took car trips, right? Right. So I think, you know, that was one big difference. And I think, whereas for my generation, <laughs> The baby boomers, freedom was getting our car. For your uh -huh. generation, freedom was going away to school or traveling yeah. and going different places. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, and, and part of this was because my, my parents worked overseas, but we we traveled a lot when I was a kid, and I think I, I went on more planes, you know, probably by the time I was 12 than my mom had been on her entire life leading up to that point. Right. And so... You know, I, I think that is a, a huge difference yeah. between the generations. Yeah, so, and that yeah. was just kind of leading us to the global world we're in today with the millennials because their experience is another yet completely different experience. So uh -huh. they, uh, they had a lot of impactful violence. Interesting, all the generations had different kinds of violence. You right. know? Mine had the Vietnam War, yours had the Middle East. The millennials had 9-11. And, and we have to say we're sitting here with Sonia, who's our producer, and she's quiet. You never hear her, but she's always here. <laughs> and, um, she's a millennial. She's a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> so she's smiling at us Yeah. <laughs> as we go through some of this. But I think, you know, the millennial generation has different sets of experiences. They're, they're the first generation that was environmentally conscious from the mm -hmm. time they were little kids. The whole reduce, reuse, recycle was taught in schools and they're more conscious about the environment and mm -hmm. about saving resources and digital natives. And, you know, from a media perspective, it's very different because everything is still cable connected mm -hmm. or power connected, but everything's on demand. You've got right. your YouTube and you've got your Spotify and you've got all of these things and you can choose your content when you want it and how much of it you want versus in my generation as a baby boomer, you know, we had three channels and that content was pre-programmed for us. We didn't have the chance to choose very much. Today you have a tremendous amount of choice. So that drove different values. Uh, the, the millennials leverage technology a lot more, which mm -hmm. is great in today's world. They are able to multitask more easily. And I was talking to someone yesterday who's the parent of millennials who was saying, I just don't get how, you know, how my kids can be texting and still listening to me. And I think that there's actually a muscle that was probably evolved for that generation that actually does allow 
a different level of filtering and tuning out and tuning in to focus when you need to. That's completely different. That's actually a relief to hear you say that because I have a 12-year-old daughter and I see her doing that and I kind of get mad about it. (laughs) And I think, is she actually listening to me or is she just texting? And so it's good to hear that you think that there is that muscle. (laughs) I do. I think it's there. You know, it's probably developed differently in different people. but (laughs) But I do think it's there. And, um, you know, I do think also that there's a tendency amongst the millennials to look for meaning in their work Mm -hmm. because they've had more choice in life. So they want to have more choice in what they're doing and how they approach things. And that has a huge impact on the workplace in terms of both attracting millennial workers and retaining them. Yeah. So that's kind of a snapshot of the values. And the, the freedom for millennials, we talked about baby boomers was cars, Gen Xers was travel. The freedom for millennials is connectivity. You know, they're the ones whose parents took away the internet if they needed to punish them, not the car keys. Yeah. <laughs> that's. I think that's still true of the next generation because that's what we do. <laughs> Um, so as you think about the different generations and, and how they engage them in the workplace, do you have a framework that you use for considering the similarities and the differences? I do. I do. So I think that bec- when I was researching this for my book, because this mm-hmm. is actually one section of my book. Oh, cool. I'm excited to read that. <laughs> yeah, it's in the people part of the book. Okay. But as I was researching it, I had to find a way to organize my thoughts around it. Mm-hmm. And the three themes that evolved to me was thinking about communication, work style, or how you approach work, and how you use technology. So those three areas are three areas where when you drill down, each of the generations does them very differently. And so you can kind of think about work approach, communication, and use of technology as cornerstones for why there's friction because people approach them differently okay well let's let's touch on all of those just to get an idea of the differences then so let's talk about communication first since that's such a critical part of customer success i think that's a good place to start so how how do the generations differ in that area well again it's a continuum so you're not going to find you know i'm generalizing but in general there are a whole bunch of modes of communication today, okay. and they've been cumulative. So, you know, you have you still have face-to-face meetings, which was all you had in the beginning of yeah. baby boomers being in business. You have phone calls and emails and video conferences and text messages and tweets and social platforms. So if you think of all of that as a big continuum, everybody can do any of them, but there are distinctive preferences. So your baby boomers tend to prefer verbal communication mm-hmm. in person or on the phone. Some are okay with video, some not so much okay with video. And they like to use email and there's a level of formality that they use and how they address people and how they expect to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And then your Gen Xers being in the middle and being more creative are really flexible. So they make use of the whole spectrum. It's kind of the resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter whether it's in person, they're really comfortable and good there. Doesn't matter whether it's texting or social platforms, they're pretty good there too. So they span the gap, so to speak. Go Gen X! <laughs> <laughs> Your millennials 
tend to be more comfortable and have a preference on the digital communication side because yeah. they're digital natives. So mm -hmm. their first go-to is a text, maybe an email um, or a chat or video. Okay. You know, I know some millennials who don't like phone calls, but they love FaceTime calls, you know. FaceTime me is just fine, but don't call me. I don't want to just hear your voice. If you're going to talk, let me see your face, right? And our millennials smiling at that. Yes. <laughs> probably relating to that. So, in fact, here's a funny story. I remember the first time I was referred to as a dude by a millennial that I know. Oh, wow. So, and dude in millennial speak doesn't, is non-gender specific. But to me, dude is a gender specific term that relates to guys because I'm a baby boomer, so I'm much more formal about it. And the formal mm -hmm. definition is dude is a guy. But this millennial who happens to be a guy just got really fed up with me not liking him calling me dude because everyone in his life was a dude. Girl, guy, didn't matter. Everybody was a dude. So I got used to it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had to adapt to what he wanted to do. Yeah, I, I see that a little bit in some of my writers. Um, so I have a number of people who write for my blog, and there many of them are millennials. And I notice that the phrase that I have to comb out of their writing a lot is you guys. Because you really can just shorten it to you, and it works in every sentence just as you, and then whatever was going to come after it. But you guys is something that mm -hmm. is gets thrown in a lot. And so I think it's similar, and it's used, again, in a non-gender-specific way. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I think those are the main things. The baby boomers prefer did, uh, prefer the verbal. The Gen X can use the whole spectrum all uh -huh. the way from verbal to digital. And the millennials prefer digital. So there are some things we'll talk about in terms of what you can do to try to span the gap there. Okay. Yeah. We'll get, I think we'll get to the pros and cons here in a minute. But before we do that, let's talk about the differences in, in work approach. So what are some of the similarities and differences between the, the generations there? Again, they come from the values and the experiences okay. that you've had. So I think that the biggest thing is baby boomers are kind of like by the book because they're process oriented. Mm -hmm. They like the rules and regulations and they'll frequently quote them. The, the standard says X, Y, Z or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. They go back to the book and they're also very team oriented okay so they like teamwork they like to get the people together face to face and work in a face-to-face -face environment gen xers who are independent and creative um, were the first generation to really bring up remote working and mm -hmm. as you saw the gen xers coming into the workplace you saw more companies having to allow remote work and mm -hmm. things like that so uh, not being in the same place in the same time plus video was coming in during that time so mm -hmm. you had and, and a conference call so you had the ability to do that and your millennials are with their context switching more ad hoc on demand and they are big team players just like the baby boomers but their teams are digital social teams they have really wide-reaching networks of people they can text and ask a question to or chat with. Mm -hmm. But it's not like you and me sitting here in the same room yeah. kind of network. It's more of a social network. So when, when you say ad hoc, are you, are you talking a little bit about, I guess, the gig economy that has kind of come up? Does that tie into the That's ad hoc work That's definitely a approach? part of it. That's okay. definitely a part of it. Most of the 
most of the millennials I know make higher use of the gig economy uh-huh. than the baby boomers that I know. Okay. You know, I don't see baby boomers renting from Airbnb as much as millennials do. Or riding in lifts or Ubers or mm-hmm. getting their food delivered. Now, some do. Again, it's a whole spectrum, right? And yeah. people adopt at different times. But it's about where the comfort zones are. So in work approach in particular, when, how you, what you bring to the office... So the baby boomers showed up at an office. They mm-hmm. expect to go to an office. They want to be in the office physically. They want to have their conversations at the water cooler. Yeah. And your Gen Xers are comfortable with that, but they're also comfortable working from home and mm-hmm. having a text chat or an instant messaging chat and getting their interaction that way, yeah. on phone or video conference. And your millennials, probably a lot of them would would feel like they are more productive when they're on their own and they make their connections when they need them. Got it. Okay. That's what I mean by ad hoc. Okay. Interesting. Um, so finally, um, before we get into sort of the pros and cons of all of this, um, can you tell me a little bit about the differences in how the three generations approach technology? Yeah. Well, it goes back to the values, Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you are most comfortable using what you grew up with. Yeah. So, and then anything you've adopted after that, you build a skill for, but it's not at your core. So if you think about it, baby boomers didn't grow up much. I mainframe computers were the only computers that existed when baby boomers were growing up. I did my first program on punch cards. So yes, <laughs> it was a, a very different era. I think I, my dad was an engineer, and so I think some of my first coloring projects were, were on punch leftover cards. punch cards. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we had face-to-face as our only option. It took long mm-hmm. periods of time to travel. You didn't do mm-hmm. that very often. And, you know, in terms of um, we had the mechanical automation, so mm-hmm. we had mimeographed copies, dittos. Yeah. You know, people <laughs> don't even know what that is anymore. Faxes. I remember early in my career sitting on a, a nonprofit board where half of the people on the board argued about, we don't need a facsimile machine. You know, that was that newfangled technology, which is now completely <laughs> outdated, right? I think I've sat in a meeting where we were arguing the other end of the lifespan of that, where we're like, yeah. do we still need a fax machine? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, so, you know, your Gen X, uh, in terms of technology, you guys grew up with mm-hmm. internet mm-hmm. pretty much from the time you were little yeah. kids. You know, we didn't. So uh, I would say not a little kid Teenagers, for me. maybe. Mm, college. College, okay. <laughs> I right. probably toured the beginning of the Gen X generation. Okay, so, so. you're on the boundary of yeah. the boomers. Yeah. But, but it's, uh, you know, yeah. and the millennials who are digital natives have a tendency to want to use more technology in the office mm-hmm. and leverage it because... They're really good at it, you know, whereas I, I'm pretty decent with technology, but my brain still works in an analog way because I grew up in an analog yeah. world. So I've had to make adaptations. So I think, you know, um, if you just talk about customer meetings, for example, mm-hmm. when I grew, when I started in my career, all customer meetings were face-to-face, and you had to really pay attention to whether or not you were going to have a customer meeting because it was going to be expensive to fly people there mm-hmm. and then it may move to the area in your generation of phone conferences right and now it's like you can have a meeting with anyone anytime via video via your, your computer that you hold in your cell phone all the time so mm-hmm. it's moved across the spectrum yeah and every group has different comfort level with the different technology and how they use it yeah 
So, okay, this is great. That's a, I think the communication work style tech framework is a great way to think about all of that. Um, so now that you've really outlined those generational differences for us, I'm curious about how you see this creating challenges for customer success teams specifically, um, but also how you see those differences benefiting teams. So let's start with the challenges because the negative is always more fun to talk about. Okay. <laughs> what, what have you observed? So I think that internally there are a lot of challenges in the natural friction and because of this rare time that we're at where the Gen Xers, your generation, have been squeezed out over time by the Millennials and now the, um, the Baby Boomers. The Baby Boomers leaving now, mm -hmm. but the, the Gen Xers were always the squeezed, smaller demographic, yeah. <laughs> which led to resourcefulness and creativity. Yes. But the, um, that creates friction, too, because I know a lot of Gen Xers who feel like they didn't have the opportunities in their career because there were so many baby boomers that they all got promoted and they never got a chance to rise up in their careers. And now the millennials are coming in and there are so many millennials and they're rising really quickly in their career. So that's one area of internal friction. And then I think with customers, it's about miscommunication and expectation setting. Um, you know, each generation has their preferences on how they follow process okay. or whether they're more creative and do it differently. And when you have differences in those values, it creates natural friction. Okay. So, you know, um, email versus text uh, is a big deal that creates friction. Whether or not to have a face-to-face -face meeting versus we can do it via phone call or video conference creates friction. Instant messaging is a huge area of friction because most baby boomers don't like to be interrupt driven. It goes to the work approach. Yeah. Ad hoc versus process oriented. Yeah. So, you know, you have a baby boomer who just refuses to be on a Slack channel or on an instant message channel of any kind and they're unavailable to the rest of the team. Right. And that creates friction. So, right. and the challenge with your customers is that a lot of times you don't know them very well. Mm -hmm. You don't know what generation they come from. You have an email and CRM and phone relationship with them. Maybe you meet them, maybe you don't. Yeah. And so you can kind of you can kind of snoop a little on LinkedIn and yeah, see you what can you can see. Yes, you know, but then you're generalizing and you, you are and sure. you know, people tend to put their most attractive pictures out there. Yes. So yes. My picture is pretty old, I'll admit. <laughs> Um, but then what happens is you have miscommunication. If you don't do something to bring it to the surface and address mm -hmm. it, it creates a lot of problems with customers. And that leads to lack of alignment, mm -hmm. which leads to churn, which leads, especially for customer success, to bad results. Yeah. So given um, some of those challenges that you just talked about, what are some tactics that our customer success listeners can employ to overcome those challenges that the generational differences create? Well, there are a few things you can do. First of all, don't generalize. Okay. So think about things on a continuum or a spectrum. It really okay. makes a big difference to just kind of think, well, they're further earlier or further later than me and how they approach work or how they communicate and I need to be conscious of it. Yeah. So bringing it to the conscious level um, something called situational management, which means you pay attention to a particular situation that you're in and you have to be the one to adjust. 
to the situation. Don't expect other people to adjust to you. Yeah. But kind of build your muscles around the different communication styles, the different technologies and so forth mm -hmm. so that you can be in charge of the situation. So you manage the situation by adjusting yourself. Okay. And that has to come from self-awareness. Right. Because actually individuals' own bias is their biggest hurdle. Mm -hmm. um, all of us, whether you're a millennial, a Gen Xer, or a baby boomer, you have natural biases. We right. all do. I see it a lot breaking down, in, especially between the baby boomers and the millennials, because a lot of baby boomers have millennial children. Mm -hmm. And so you might have early baby boomers as your parents, because you're on the edge of yes. boomer and Gen yeah. X. But the majority of millennials have late baby boomers or early Gen X as their parents. Okay. Most of them have baby boomers as their parents. Yeah. And the baby boomers um, tend to generalize to their co-workers who happen to be in the age group of their children all the flaws that they see in their children <laughs> and all the things that they don't like about their kids they bring into the workplace and vice versa. The millennials oh, tend to look at the baby boomers yeah. in the workplace and say they're like my parents and my parents can't even use the internet appropriately and you know they apply their own biases mm -hmm. to their to their uh, baby boomer co-workers mm -hmm. and the thing is in the office environment it's not a parent and it's not a child everybody is equal mm -hmm. and everybody's a co-worker so you, everybody has to learn to make adjustments right and it's really up to management to help foster a culture where that can happen yeah. Oh, interesting. I think I think that's a really great way to look at it, and I hadn't thought of it that way before, where it's the parents and the kids. Because I have to say, I do put some of my biases on my daughter, uh -huh. and I'm sure she does on me too. And I I hadn't thought of that because she hasn't reached the workforce yet. Right. So when she does, there will be a period of time where we're both in there. Yeah. And That'll be really interesting, and I will keep that advice in mind. Yeah. So, you know, the, the other thing to think about in terms of a tactic is to remember it's not all about the generations. There mm -hmm. are, you know, this is why you don't generalize. There are stage of life things. Some people are having families, and some people are not having families. And when you're at a certain stage of life, or you have elder parents, parents to care for, you know, that there are stage of life things and there are personality style things that impact this too. Right. Certain people who are more adventurous in their personality style are going to adopt technology faster and better than people who are less adventurous. Right. So some of it is generational and some of it is just personality style or stage of life or other things. So we focus this conversation around the generations because that's an easy framework and it definitely has an impact in general terms. But it's also important to think about other things. Well, that was one thing that I was thinking while you were talking is, um, you know, how much of this is stage of life? Because I think there are some things that millennials get blamed for that I would have to say when I was in my 20s, I did exactly that same stuff. And so, you know, I, I look at some of that and I think, well, it's not that they're millennials, it's that they're 20 that's year correct. olds, you know, and that's, and that's what 20 year olds do. And then you learn and you grow and you change and you right, come across different things in your life and you act differently when you're older. And so, yeah, how much of how much of each of those things do you think the generational differences versus the stage of life stuff is it about half and half? Or? I don't know. I mean, I couldn't say what the percentage yeah. is, and it probably varies on an individual basis. But it's important to consider both. Okay. 
I think it's really important to consider both. Um, you know, the generational differences are definitely there. Yes. There are, yeah. you know, the digital native aspect of it, the creativity aspect of it for you Gen Xers, mm -hmm. um, the process and structure side of it for us baby boomers. Mm -hmm. Those things are there for sure. Yes. And they're not related to stage of life. Yeah. So, uh, but there are things that are stage of life things too. And you do have to think about those might be what's impacting. So that's why it's important not to generalize. Yeah, interesting. So let's go to the positive side of things. So what do you see as the main benefits that a multi-generational workplace provides to success teams? Well, diversity. Okay. That's the biggest one. Yeah. I mean, I think... And I'm probably biased on this, but I think diversity is really, really critical to any business's success. And I think it's been proven out in results. Yes. Gender diversity, age diversity, cultural diversity, all educational background diversity, all of those things play to build stronger, better companies. Mm -hmm. So the, the generational diversity is a part of that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really important thing to notice and pay attention to and to leverage because right. each of the generations has different strengths that you can bring to the table. So your baby boomers are full of experience and wisdom. They've been in the workplace longer than anyone else. They've seen it all, you know. <laughs> and yes, they might have seen it in a different time and space, and it does require context and understanding, but they can also bring a lot of context from their experience and help other people understand situations. So right. there's a lot of wisdom and value there. Your Gen Xers, your generation, so resourceful and so creative that can be leveraged. That sense of independence, that flexibility, that ability mm -hmm. to manage the entire spectrum is huge in the workplace. Yeah. Especially in relationships and especially in customer success. Yeah. <laughs> and then your millennials, you know, the digital natives, the multitasking or the kind of context switching mm -hmm. and also the social networks are all things that add value. So it's really important to think about if you're a manager and you're assigning tasks to your team, where am I going to put the strength? So there has been a tendency, especially if you're a baby boomer manager, and I see this among my peers, to say, well, you know, the most senior person gets to run the meeting. Well, if it's a digital meeting, you just might want the millennial running the meeting so you don't have problems with the technology. There's nothing worse from a customer perspective than having a really clunky digital meeting experience because right. your baby boomer accidentally muted everybody or <laughs> you know, disconnected the meeting in the middle of it because they didn't realize what they were doing when you could have your millennial running that meeting and have your baby boomer in a prominent position on the agenda bringing their expertise to it you know right. so it's about planning that stuff and of course I'm a baby boomer so of course I'm going to say it's about planning that stuff you know <laughs> wait you don't want to just wing it come on <laughs> so how can customer success teams and I think you touched on some of this really leverage those advantages yeah, I think don't generalize is a big one. Mm -hmm. And be aware of the generational differences to the degree that you can. Okay. Do your LinkedIn research about your customers and understand where they come from. And more importantly, ask them about their biases. And, and I think some of the tactics that you can use are things like, one of my favorites is to uh, set instant message office hours. Yeah. Both with your customer and with your um, team. Like define your communication standards. So be explicit about it. 
Right. Be thoughtful and raise it to the surface and say, you know, my team's going to be available to you between 10 and 11 Pacific time and between 3 and 4 Pacific time on our Slack channel if mm -hmm. you have needs and questions. But don't text them all day long in the middle of the day if yeah. you don't want your team to be interrupted. And especially if they're baby boomers, you don't want them to be interrupted. They're going to go crazy with that. Yeah. Right? Um, just so setting the communication standards is really, really critical. And then also um, there's other things that you can do like you can define your own preconceptions. You know, what, what am I thinking about this? Take a step back and understand your biases mm -hmm. and be honest with yourself about them, right? So that's important. And leverage the strengths, like I said. And, you know, think about the norms of the relationships, both mm -hmm. internally and with your customers. Because when you have internal friction that comes from the generational teams, like, for example, a lot of finance teams are baby boomers, your CFOs and their senior mm -hmm. management are baby boomers. And they're gonna look at things very differently than you are as a Gen Xer mm -hmm. or than a millennial customer success manager is. And they're, right. not, they're gonna be more process oriented and they're not gonna be willing to bend the rules for a particular customer when you see potential in bending the rules for future upside. Right. So you need to learn how to navigate that internally so that it doesn't show up to your customers. Yeah. So those are some of the things. I mean, I think we live in a multi-generational world. Everybody brings value. Mm -hmm. You gotta leverage it. You don't wanna generalize too much, but pay attention. I think that it's funny that we're sitting here and you're using a piece of technology to aid yourself in this talk and you're the baby boomer in the room and I'm sitting here with a bunch of pieces of paper in front of me. <laughs> so I have to say I agree with you that this is a spectrum for it's sure. It's a continuum. Yes. I'm, a, I'm an early and high adopter of technology. But I work in the software world yes. and I work in startups. So yeah, that's, that's just me. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask this next question partly because I'm curious, but also because I have that teenager that I mentioned earlier who's going to be part of the workforce in the next few years. So looking forward, what do you think the next generation, and I've heard them called Generation Z, I've heard them called the builders in certain articles, I've heard them called post-millennials. Mm -hmm. What do you think those folks are going to bring to the table, both in terms of challenges and benefits? Yeah, I wish I knew. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, these kind of analysis and analytics yeah. don't really happen until that group is in Shows the up. workforce yeah. okay. for five to ten years. But I can guarantee you that because their values and their experiences are different, they're going to have another unique set of values to bring, whatever that is. Okay. And they're going to be a smaller demographic. Uh -huh. That's a guarantee because they're a smaller group because they're the progeny mostly of the Gen yes. Xers. <laughs> so that's what happens with populations, yes. right? So they're going to have a, a different struggle. Maybe it'll be better because with the gig economy, I just wonder about how much work there's going to be for humans over time. Yeah. You know, as, as we Maybe automate... Maybe it's better that it's a smaller generation. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So as we automate, you know, they won't have as much competition, although they, they have, you know, they're tailing on a pretty large millennial group from a demographic perspective. So yeah. they're always going to be on the tail of that. Yes. I can guarantee you that there will be uh, differences, but I can't tell you what they are. Okay. Well, I was just curious. Last question, and this is something that I ask all of our guests. What, what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? 
So I'd have to say it depends. Okay. <laughs> I see a lot of different trends. And I am out there talking to a lot of companies yeah. and evangelizing as I'm writing my book. But I think it depends somewhat on company type and stage. Okay. And I think it also depends on where the company is in their customer success journey. So okay. if they're a traditional company that's adopting customer success late in their life and they have to adapt a lot of processes, it's a huge, I think the biggest trend is a change management challenge yeah. that sits with those very large enterprise companies that, oops, we didn't have this function and now it's pulling uh, responsibilities away from different organizations and it's a massive organization redesigned to become customer centric and there's a huge right. challenge there versus you know those early adopters of customer success who started earlier mm -hmm. who are pretty getting mature almost now yeah and they're into you know honing in on their metrics and the segmentation those are trends that I see in those companies operationalizing it as yeah. they grow and scale versus the startups who many are now bringing in customer success executives and a customer success focus much earlier in the process. Mm -hmm. So, but that it that has its own set of challenges, right? Because mm -hmm. they're they have their own challenges being a small emerging company, and I know you work with some of those as well. Yeah, so. yeah, we were actually just on the phone um, earlier today with a company that is um, has implemented customer success from the very beginning of their organization before they've even implemented sales. Yeah. Which is fascinating. And, and um, fingers crossed, he will be joining us as a guest on the podcast really oh, soon. So great. all of you guys in the audience, you can have that to look forward to. It'll be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I think it is interesting to see how startups are starting to yep. get into well, that sooner. I'm a VP of customer success at a very early stage company, and I'm there before we have a salesperson. So... Great. That just tells you that's what's <laughs> happening in the early stages. But I think the function is maturing, uh -huh. and I'm very excited to see where it's going to go. Cool. Well, Irene, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the podcast today. I know our listeners come from all three generations, and four if you count my mom. And I'm sure this topic really resonated with them. You had some great suggestions for how to make the most of generational differences and avoid conflict and so thank you very much for sharing your ideas with us today. Well, thanks for including me. This was really fun. And I hope, my hope is that everyone learned at least one thing about a generation that is not theirs that they can take and think about and raise to the surface that will help them communicate better or at least understand their coworkers better. Well, I did. <laughs> so thank you. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, please subscribe to Strike Deck Radio on iTunes or SoundCloud. And finally, thanks for listening to this podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time.